Welcome to the Bethel World Outreach Church Podcast. It's our prayer that wherever you are in life, today's message will help you draw closer in your relationship with God. Enjoy the message. All right, let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for this special moment. We acknowledge your presence in this place, Father. We thank you that you are God. You are the only God. We surrender to your will this morning. Father, I pray for your people. I thank you for each and every one of us here this morning. Thank you for all those who showed up this morning. I pray, oh Father, that as they came, you open up their ears, their minds to receive the message you have for them. Father, speak to everyone this morning. And for myself, Father, I know I'm not worthy to be here. I thank you for choosing me this morning. And I pray, Father, that you will allow me to decrease. Increase in me, Father, and use me this morning to speak to your people. Not from my heart, not from my head, but directly from you, Holy Spirit. The message you have for each and every one of us here this morning. And in everything, your name and only your name will be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to thank Bishop and Lady Grace for this special opportunity to be here in front of you. Uh, I don't take this lightly. I don't think I'm the most qualified to be here this morning. There are so many good preachers in this church. So I'm grateful for the trust. And I thank them for their leadership. They are amazing leaders. If you can give it up for them, please. We have amazing leaders in this church. And by me being here in front of you this morning, that's proof of their kind of leadership. Amen? I would like to acknowledge my wife, uh, Sandrine. She's here. My mom is here also, I think. My mom, I can't see her, okay. Uh, I have four kids, maybe one of them is in here. Maybe not, <laughs> all right. Thank you. So this is a new day that the Lord has made. And I trust, like I said, as I was praying, that as you came here this morning, you will be transformed. This morning you will receive a word that will change you. Because God says his compassions are new every single morning. And I trust that he has renewed his compassions in your life this morning. So that when you leave these doors, you will be a different person. Amen. Alright, so when Bishop asked me to deliver this message, I asked the Holy Spirit to give me a word. A word that would not, not disturb the dynamic of his current teaching on spiritual warfare. And he sent me back to basics. So this morning, I'm going to talk about a topic that we usually take lightly. It's a very simple topic, but I believe it is complementary to spiritual warfare. And I believe it's even an integral part of spiritual warfare. I did some research 
And according to a study from the Pew Research Center, which was published last year, about 40% of Americans go to church at least once a month. 40% of Americans. And about 30% of Americans go to church once a week. And when you look at the, the, the US population, that's about 120 million people. 120 million people, every single week sit at the pew like this for at least one hour. So it says there is something about coming to church. Because so many people cannot choose to use one hour or two hours of their time when you add the commute time, it stretches the, 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 the time way more. So people cannot commit so much time of their life every week repetitively for something that doesn't make sense. So I believe Americans find some value in church gathering. And it shows us that church gathering is something we're supposed to take seriously, more seriously than we've done so far. And that's what we're going to discuss this morning. So turn to your neighbor and see there is power when we gather together. Turn to the other neighbor and say there is power when we gather together. And that's the title of my message this morning. Now, if I were to ask you, why do you come to church every Sunday? I don't know if you've asked yourself that question. So why do you take that time? You come from PG County, from uh, Frederick County, some even come from Virginia to be here every single Sunday. Why do you come? Why do you do that? That's time that you will never get back. Why do you do that? If I ask the question, I will get several answers. And the Pew Research Center, in the same research, they reveal to us the top 10 reasons why Americans go to church every Sunday. Some said the, the, top, the top answer was they want to become closer to God. The second was they want their children to have a moral foundation. Others say they want to become a better person. Hmm. The fourth answer, they need comfort in times of trouble and sorrow. Hmm. The fifth answer, they find the sermons valuable. And we can tell in this church that the sermons of, are valuable. If you agree with me, please clap it for Bishop Johnson. But that came number five. Number six is they want to be part of a faith community. Number seven, they want to continue their family religious tradition. Yeah, the great-grandparents this, that, the grandparents, the mom, the dad, so why not do it? Number eight, they feel obligated. Hmm, that gets interesting, they feel obligated. Number nine, they want to meet new people. They want to socialize. And number 10, the last one, they want to please their spouse or their partner. And they say this applies mostly to men. <laughs> so hopefully our king's men are not here today because their wife forced them to come here. <laughs> Amen. So the purpose of today's message is not to teach a new doctrine. I don't pretend to teach you any new doctrine. 
but to remind each and every one of us of the importance of being consistent and intentional in our coming to church. So that we can fully reap the benefits associated with this practice. Which is not just a practice. So yes, there is power when we gather together. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 24 to 26. Hebrews 10, 24 to 26. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some. But exalting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. And verse 26, 4. If we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there is no longer remains, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins. Amen. This morning, my disclaimer, if for reasons due to my thick accent, you don't understand what I'm saying, just call upon the name of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Amen. So, we saw the study from the Pew Research Center. Now, let's look at this from a biblical perspective. And the attempt here this morning is to give you four biblical reasons why we should physically come to church every single Sunday. Physically. So that you can see for yourself how much power there is when we gather together. As we just read, the first reason, the very first reason why we should be in church every single Sunday is because it's a command. It is not optional. It is a comment. Now, let me set the stage here by providing the context. The book of Hebrew was uh, written by an unknown person. Uh, I believe it was written by Paul. That's what I believe. And it was, he wrote to the Hebrews, a community that was getting discouraged. They had heard about Jesus. They were saved. But they were fighting among each other and even doubting the whole idea of salvation. And that happens sometimes. Maybe some of you are here this morning, they are discouraged. Because they have been in this Christmas, in this, in this uh, Christian business for so long. And they have had so many expectations. And they don't see what's coming out of that. They believe they have done everything. And they might be discouraged to the point of not even wanting to come to church. That's what was happening in that community. So the author of the book of Hebrews wrote to encourage them. To tell them, you know what? Do not be discouraged. What happened is true. Jesus died for you. Your sins are forgiven. You are redeemed. You are children of God. So your attitude should be different. And then he moved forward to give them some practical, practical things based on what was happening in that community. And one of the practical things he told them was to not forsake their congregation, not forsake their assemblies. 
In the Amplified Version, it says, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together as believers, as is the habit of some, some of you, because he had heard some people were staying home, not gathering anymore. Do not forsake. He didn't say you may or may not come to church. Well, I highly recommend. No, it was not a high recommendation. It was a command. Do not forsake your assemblies. So we are reminded in verse 24, it says for a single, in verse 14 that we haven't read, Paul says, or the author of the book of Hebrew, for by a single offering he has for, forever completely cleansed and perfected those who are consecrated and made holy. So we are reminded that today we are holy. We are reminded of who we are now in Christ. And because now our identity has changed, because now we are children of God, there are some responsibilities attached to our new identity. And one of those responsibilities is to show up in church. We don't show up in church because it's uh, one, one of the days when we can do something else, something different after five or six, six days of, of work. Okay, let's go and sit there and see, see what happens. We don't come to church because our spouse is forcing us to come. Because, okay, well, I want peace in my home, so I'll go anyway. We come to church because it is a command that is linked to our new identity. We are renewed, we belong to a family, and we need to meet our family members on a regular basis. That's why we come to church. That's why we have to come to church. Verse 23. Let us hold fast. And retain without wavering, I'm reading from the Amplified Version, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. So this salvation thing is true. You have been transformed. You have been changed. You are a new person. So don't play with it. Don't take it lightly. Take it seriously. And because whenever your status changes, even at work, if you get a promotion, it comes with new responsibilities. So you've been promoted from being a sinner to being a child of God, it comes with responsibilities. And one of those responsibilities is to show up. So let's not forsake our assemblies. That means there has to be an assembly in the first place. Oh, there has to be an assembly in the first place. That means you need to belong, you have to belong to a body of Christ. God will guide you to a shepherd and that shepherd leads a community of people who become and who are supposed to become your home, your family. And for the health of your Christian work, it's essential for you to belong to such a family. It's essential for you to be looking for such a family, such an assembly, and become an integral part of it. For your own health, like the whole daughter of the book of Hebrews said, you are now saved. You are now transformed. 
So take this gathering thing seriously. And in order to gather, you need to find a place to gather. And God won't just send you anywhere. God didn't bring you here by chance. God brought you here because he wants you to become an intimate part of this family because there's something here for you. Nobody chooses their family. Nobody chooses their family. So it's a requirement for us to belong to a church. It's not an option. It's not an option. It's not an option to say today, I'm at Bethel, today I'm looking for uh, the deep, 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 deep church, and then the next day I'm going to the most highly, most, most holy church, and then the following day I'm looking for the most redeemed church. I remember the story, a friend of mine, he told me there was a day he moved from his apartment building to a different apartment building, and he has a plant, he had a plant, he uprooted the plant and took it with him to a new apartment build, to a new apartment building. When he planted it, the plant died. And he said the life lesson was that you need to allow a plant to take roots. Allow the roots of the plant to go deeply into the soil so that the plant can benefit from the fullness of what the soil has to offer. And I can tell you that this is good soil. This is good soil. So if you are here, make sure you stay planted. Make sure your roots go deeply inside so that you can benefit from everything this soil has to offer. If you want to move from one soil, be uprooted to another soil, he told me his plant died. <laughs> Amen. So it's not optional. We have to belong to a community. We have to. We are not doing anybody a favor by coming to church. It is a command. You're not doing the pastor or bishop a favor by coming. Oh, I'm not going. The way he spoke to me, I'm not going there. The pews will be empty. Yes, of course, as an organization, we want the pews to be filled. But actually, it is yourself, it is your own ability to grow in your spiritual work that you're putting in jeopardy by refusing to show up. So you don't show up for a pastor, you don't show up for a bishop, you show up for yourself because you want to obey the word of God. And if you say you're a Christian, if you say this book, this book is what now dictates your life. Is you, if you say this book is your constitution, then every single thing that's written in it is true for you and should be applied. Amen. Amen. So why does God make it mandatory for believers to gather together? There has to be a reason. And that will be the second reason why we need to gather together. Yes, it is a command we need to obey, but God is not a dictator. God will tell you, do this, and then he will explain to you why. So the second reason then, why we're supposed to gather together, is because when we come together, oh, you saw what happened during worship this morning? Please clap for our worship team, please. What happened this morning was amazing, and thank you Adolphus and your team. When we come here, 
God wants you to show up because you experience the transforming power of worship. God wants you to experience the transforming power of worship. When we gather together as believers to lift up his name, we come to commune with our Heavenly Father through the Holy Spirit. We acknowledge his Lordship in our life. We acknowledge our sonship or our daughtership and we express our gratefulness for what he has done for us. We praise, we, 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 we worship and we praise. And as we do that in worship, he reveals his presence to us and we experience his glory. The more, we, the more he reveals his, his presence, the more we experience his glory. And as we experience his glory, we don't understand what happens. As we experience his glory, we start being transformed. And as we're being transformed, burdens start falling. Things start happening. Miracles start happening. We don't understand what's going on. That's the power. That's the transforming power of worship. And I'm not repressing the message on extreme worship. I'm just pointing out some elements so that you understand why it is important to be here every Sunday. Remember Moses in Exodus. Whenever he went up on the mountain, when he would come down, his face was radiant. His face was glory. Why? Because he would go into the presence of the Lord. And like I'm saying, when you go into the presence of the Lord, you are transformed. That glow, that radiance is become, you are being transformed. You are become a different person. And because the Lord transforms you, things start changing in your life. You don't, you don't have to lift up a prayer. You don't have to ask for this or that. Things start changing. And you are surprised. You are surprised. And none of this can happen if you sit in front of a TV. None of this can happen in front of the TV. None of this can happen if you're watching your favorite pastor who is in somewhere in California. Thank you. In the book of Psalms, the Bible says, Psalm 22 verse 3, but you are holy. Oh, you who dwell in the holy place where the praises of Israel are offered. God is telling you, you're holy, oh, you who dwell in the holy place. God is telling you that he dwells wherever he's being praised. So as you come, you meet with your Lord who dwells wherever he's being praised. But for that to happen, you have to show up. Matthew 18, 19 to 20. I use a lot of Bible verses, by the way. Matthew 18, 19 to 20. Again, I tell you, if two of you on earth agree, and the Amplified Version say, harmonize together, make a symphony together about whatever they may ask, it will come to pass and will be done for them by my Father in heaven. It talks about symphony. For those who know music, symphony can only happen when you, when you are at least two. Symphony cannot happen when you, for symphony, a musician here is saying more. For symphony to happen, you have to be more, many. So again, you have to show up to experience that symphony that will allow 
everything you lift up in heaven to return back to you in forms of prayers being answered. It doesn't happen in front of the TV. It doesn't happen when you are on your couch. It happens when you come here. So tell your neighbor there is power when we gather together. Tell the other neighbor there is power when we gather together. Yes, there is power. Because when we gather together, you experience that transformational power of worship. There is power. Because as we worship together, his presence is exponentially multiplied. And let me give you a verse. The same Matthew 2.18, verse 29 to verse 19 to 20. Verse 20 says, For wherever two or three are gathered, wherever two or three are gathered and drawn together as my followers, we are gathered, we are drawn together as his followers. Why? Because we are children of God. We follow the lead of Jesus. We gather here as such, we are all drawn together. When that happens into his name, what happens? There I am in their midst. Now, imagine from a simple mathematical standpoint. Two or three are gathered, he's here. Two or three, he's here. Two or three, he's there. He's there. He's there. He's there. That's how his presence starts filling this place. His presence starts being all over the place. That's why this place experiences, starts experiencing more and more glory. More and more glory. More and more glory. To the point when the glory of God fills this place, all your prayers are answered. Miracles happen. You don't understand. You don't understand. Something you thought was yours, a sickness you thought was yours, just this disappears and on the next day because of a transformation that happens on the next day when you go to work that co-worker who never spoke to you will start speaking to you that your boss who didn't want to give you that promotion will give you that promotion your loan officer will call you for that loan that you need and will tell you the loan is approved why because you experience the transformational power of worship by showing up by showing up All of a sudden, your husband or your wife will tell you, you know what? I don't want to sign those divorce papers anymore. The school will call you and say, you know what? You got the scholarship you were waiting for. Just because you showed up and experienced the transformational power of worship. Like I said, you show up. When you go back, your face is different. It starts glowing. Nobody understands what's going on in the spiritual. Things start moving by themselves. You don't need to do any effort. And that's what Bishop calls grace. Amen. So as you came to church today, I declare again that you will be transformed. You are being transformed right now. And as you live here, things are going to change. And I can guarantee, as you come back next week, you will testify. I can guarantee, miracles will happen to you this week. I can guarantee, because of the type of worship we had here today, you are being transformed right now. If you take this message as yours, you will be surprised what happens this week. Amen. The third reason why we need to show up is that when we get together, we experience the connecting power of fellowship.
the connecting power of fellowship. When we gather together on Sunday, on a Sunday like this, we have the opportunity to develop God-ordained relationship. I call them God-ordained relationship because these are relationships we are developing with our brothers and sisters in Christ who have the same spiritual identity as we do. We find more important to develop a connection with someone who is high up there in the hierarchy of our company. Because we think that from a natural standpoint, we, he, may, he, may, he or she may help us get our promotion. We are proud when we can list famous people of this earth among our relationships. We think those are the most important. Yes, when you look at, look at the things of this world, that may, be, that, that, that may be somehow true according to this word. But those are not God-ordained relationships, the type of relationships I'm talking about here. Because though you are here, though we live in this world, we are not of this world. We are children of the kingdom of God. So our relationships should be primarily within the kingdom of God. And that's the reason why we have to show up. Because when you sit before, on your couch in front of your TV, none of your spiritual brothers or sisters will show up there. You won't have the opportunity to develop that kind of relationship. That's why do you come here for. So I'm talking about God-ordained relationship with people who can genuinely, genuinely care about you and people that you can genuinely care about. In the world, most relationships are based on interest. You think they are your friend, but you are your friends because they know what to do to want to get from you. They know there's something they will get from you. The genuine, pure, agape love of my brother and sister that I want to help, that I want to push forward just because he's my brother, just because he's my sister. Sometimes it happens in your natural family, but not always. So what I'm saying is even when you rely on your natural family, it is not guaranteed. This is the only place where you can build those kinds of relationships with people who base, base on this constitution, who actually care for you. And people that you can care for and reap the benefits of caring for a child of God. So we experience here the connecting, the connecting power of fellowship. Fellowship that connects you to true godly ordained relationships. Verse 24. Verse 24 says, Let us consider and give attentive, continuous care to watching over one another. That's the, com the recommendation or the command of the, from the author of the book of Hebrews. Let us consider and give attentive and continuous care to watching over one another, studying how we may stir up that is stimulate and incite to love and help, helpful deeds and noble activities. So that's stirring up. That's stirring up that leads to learning how to love and experiencing love can only happen with those God-ordained relationships. 
So the gathering of the body of Christ gives us the opportunity to learn how to love, to develop our love for our brothers and sisters, and to receive love in return. We develop true friendship. We develop, we develop genuine camaraderie, and camaraderie is mutual trust and friendship among people who spend a lot of time together. So in order for us to develop that camaraderie, we need to come here. We need to spend time together. It's not by, but I'm sure some of us, we will prefer going to a Friday happy hour with our coworkers rather than spending time with our brothers and sisters. That's what coming to church on Sunday gives you the opportunity to do. So there is power when we gather together because we have the opportunity to, do, to develop holy connections. We have the opportunity to build a holy network. We have the opportunity to develop a strong and holy support system. Where are you looking for support system? Where, what is your support system? Where does your support come from? If it doesn't come from your brothers and sisters in Christ, those that God himself has ordained to be your main relationships. Where does that support come from? We cry, we say, I don't have anybody, I don't have anybody. Look at how many we are here. Look at how many we are. If we were to develop strong, holy connection with each and every one of us here, can you imagine how far we'll go? And I said this is complementary to spiritual warfare because it is together that we win that battle. So, practically, it means when I meet my brother, when I meet my sister at church, I need to go beyond the simple, how, hi, how are you? Hi, how are you? We've become so Americanized that the hi, how are you, has become the standard. Hi, how are you? I don't care who you are. And the how are you is not intentional because I'm not asking you, actually asking you how you are. I don't care. It's just a formula to acknowledge that I saw you on my path as, as I was walking out. Hi, how are you? I need to be genuinely asking, asking for what's going on in your life. Because it is my responsibility to be concerned with what's going on in your life so that I can bring the needed support as much as I can, knowing that I don't work with my own force, I work with the Holy Spirit. So why are you afraid to genuinely ask the question? Sometimes a single word from you, a single word from you will turn the situation around. But I don't care. I just came here to listen to Bishop and, and go back home because I have more important things to do. And by the way, the author of the book of Hebrews said, do not forsake your assemblies. He said, do not forsake your assemblies. He didn't say, Make sure you listen to the message from the, the man of God. He didn't say that. He said, do not forsake your assemblies. 
Meaning that the most important is the gathering. The most important is those connections through fellowship. It's not the message. So if I'm coming to church because Bishop preaches well, I'm missing something. And that's why if the preaching doesn't fit me anymore, well, I'll go to the Holy Holy Church or I'll go to the Deeper Deeper Faith Church because I'm looking for good preaching. Forsaking the assembly that God wants me to be planted in. So there is power when we gather together because of that opportunity. And when I stop to speak, I need to stop, speak with my brother, let my brother do, know what I think, and listen, this is important. My ability to live a successful and victorious Christian life depends on the nature of my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me repeat that. And it's from me. It's not from anywhere else. It's from me. This is what the Holy Spirit gave me. My ability to live a successful and victorious Christian life depends on the nature of my relationship with my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yes, it depends on the quality of the message. Oh, but my God, there are so many good messages out there. You just need to turn on the TV. You just need to go on the internet. There are so many good preachers out there. So what the Lord is requiring from us is to make good use of, our, of the opportunities that our community give, gives us to connect with our brothers and sisters. To create, to develop that holy network. That holy network that would be our support system. The holy network that will help us to overcome the challenges of our Christian work. And obviously, a setting like this only allows us to start that kind of relationship. If we want to build stronger relationship, those can only be developed in a more intimate and private setting. That's why in this church we have the care group system. That's why we have the care group system. But it starts with the hi, how are you? The intentional and genuine hi, how are you? That will lead you gradually to ask the person where they live and you realize that they are your neighbor, their next door neighbor, and then together you will meet once a week to fellowship in a more intimate and private setting. You will know your brother or your sister more and that's how the connection will destroy so many things in your life. Because God won't send you a person. Those are God-ordained relationships. So whenever God connects you to a, a brother or sister in Christ, there is a purpose attached to that connection. But this can only happen in a private setting like care groups. Care groups, those are, some people call them cell groups. Some people call them life groups. But those are our little Bible studies that we have in our homes every single week, usually on Wednesday, depending on where you live, where you can go, meet your brothers and sisters. Yes, discuss the message, but most importantly, fellowship and be witnesses to the world. So again, tell your neighbor, I need you. 
and you need me. And we can only win the Christian battle if we stick together. All right, let me rush here. The final reason why we need to show up at church every single Sunday is to experience the humbling power of discipleship. The humbling power of discipleship. In Matthew 28, Jesus commanded his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations and to teach them to obey his word. Now, from this command, I personally infer that a disciple, and again, this is from me, from what the Holy Spirit gave me, a disciple is a true follower of Christ who has surrendered all his life to Jesus and accepted to enter into the gradual process of transformation with the goal of becoming more and more like the leader, the master, Jesus Christ. That's what, to me, a disciple is, based on what I received from the Holy Spirit. But how can that happen if you are in front of your TV at home? So it seems as if the ultimate purpose for our Christian life is to become disciples of Christ. But this cannot happen if you are alone. We need to receive good and sound doctrine, and we receive good and sound doctrine in this church. And then we need to apply the doctrine we receive through interaction with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm being told I only have five minutes left. I usually do that, so today it's on me. <laughs> so verse 25 tells us, not forsaking or neglecting to assemble together, as is the habit of some, but doing what? Admonishing. Admonishing. That's what's supposed to, to happen when we meet as brothers and sisters. We are supposed to admonish one another. And the Amplified ver Version says it means warning, urging, and encouraging. Tell me how warning, urging, and encouraging can happen if you sit alone in front of your TV. How can that happen? I'm not coming because Bishop is not there today. Who is preaching? Oh, okay. I'll stay home. I'll listen to my favorite preacher in California. That's the truth. You just need to look around to understand it's the truth. You fail to receive the fullness of what happens when we gather together. So in that discipleship aspect, yes, there is power when we gather together because we learn from the experience of one another. We learn from being scolded by the brother or sister. We learn from being rebuked. We learn from being reprimanded. We learn from being reproached. But we don't want to hear that. We don't want that. Those people, they are mean to me. I'm not going there anymore when that's exactly what God wants because this is essential for your and my spiritual growth. 
You remember when you were little, we used to, we, we belong to large families. Most of us here believe are from Africa, I am. And usually we had large families. We didn't have the luxury of, have our, of having our own room. But even when you did, this was until Uncle Joe showed up with, with the cousins. And the mom would tell you, you know what? Today you're sleeping, if you were lucky, in the living room. If not, in the kitchen. <laughs> we grew up in that. But that's how we learned. That's how we learn to develop relationships. That's how we learn to humble ourselves. That's how we learn to share. Nobody died. Who died? Nobody died from that. <laughs> so why are you afraid? Why are you scared when your brother doesn't like, when your brother rebukes you, you are like, okay, I'm not going there anymore. What kind of place is this? Why? Because in the U.S. You, they told you you were free? No, there's not that kind of freedom in the house of the Lord, oh. There's not. <laughs> so as we are being reprimanded, reproached, and sometimes from being hurt by our brothers and sisters, that's how we learn, that's how we grow. When, when we are hurt intentionally, or most of the time, unintentionally, most of the time it's unintentional, what, what happens? We learn to forgive, we learn to be humble, we learn to be patient, we learn to be kind, we learn to not envy, we learn to not seek our self-interest, we learn to not be easily angered, we learn to not seek revenge. And what is all of that? What is all of that? First Corinthians 13, that's love. We learn to love. That's all. Love can only happen in that process. So we need the fellowship of the saints. We need the fellowship of our brothers and sisters to learn the true meaning of love. To apply the true, the, the, the true meaning of love. We need our brothers and sisters. And love is the character of God. And if we, are, we want to be discipled, meaning that we want to become like Jesus, it means we need to become instruments of love, transformed to the point of being ourselves love. Jesus went to the cross for that. So what is being rebuked by your brother or your sister? What is being hurt by your brother or your sister? So again, turn to your neighbor and genuinely tell your neighbor, I love you, because you teach me how to love like Christ. Again, I love you, because you teach me how to love like Christ. Amen. And that's discipleship. So to conclude, to conclude, my brothers, my sisters, body of Christ, there is power when we gather together. And because there is power when we gather together, let's not forsake our assemblies. Brothers and sisters, let's come to church every Sunday, regardless of who is preaching. Whether Bishop is in Brazil or not, let's come to church every Sunday. You may despise the man, but don't despise the message of God. Not to make your wife or your husband happy, 
Not because someone forced you to come. Not because it's a religious tradition or a routine habit, but because we said it is a command from God. We said it gives us the opportunity to experience the transformation part, the, transfor the transforming power of worship, because it gives us the opportunity to experience the connecting power of fellowship, and it gives us the opportunity to be disciple to experience the humbling power of discipleship. So when we gather together, it is a family reunion because we are family. We belong to the family of God. So we should come every Sunday being happy, being eager to meet our family members, being eager to meet our brothers and sisters, to unite with them in the Lord, to acknowledge that we are citizens of heaven, that we are members of the same family of God. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening today. If you love this podcast, please subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. To learn more about Bethel or to support this ministry financially, please visit us at www.bethelcityofhope.com. You can also connect with us via Facebook or Instagram at Bethel City of Hope. Thanks again. Have a great day.